This is Rod. This is Brad. This, yeah. this is Brad. Yeah, just introduce myself. So, uh, yeah, Rod is uh, is talking on uh, communion, intimacy, and warfare this morning. So, um, excited for that. One of the things that we will be doing in, as uh, Kylie mentioned this morning, in the uh, prayer and fasting week is uh, is really just leaning into communion as well. So, um, so if you're fasting food, you'll you'll get a little bit of bread and some juice um, a couple of times in the week. So, no, you'll you'll make it. But uh, yeah, just seeing the, the tie-in of those two things, um, theologically, spiritually, so uh, yeah, bless you. Thanks, Thanks Brad, for that inf- uh, intro, yes. So we're into prayer and fasting in a, just over a week's time. It's all, it, we're all um, just really waiting for that week and just... Just want to go for it, don't we? You, you people must like pain or something. I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> Prayer and fasting, we know it's good for us and it's a good discipline. And so, um, initially, actually, I was going to going to yeah, um, share on prayer and fasting, and then uh, I think there was a message on that. I'll probably be more next week, I'd imagine. And then Rachel said, "Hey, what about um, doing?" Uh, something on communion dad and we talked about it a little bit and what, what does that look like you know what are you looking for as a leadership as far as that is concerned and she just came up with the thought of um, intimacy and warfare and i thought back to the previous now this was early this week yeah so the friday prayer set um what just say eight ten days ago kind of reflected that um Lynn Tipper came up with a thought of hunger and we were pushing into God and I was thinking through the whole process of coming into the, the Old Testament t- uh, preacher, uh, sorry, preachers, yeah, whatever. Um, well, priests, that's what they were called. Um, coming into the most holy place, the process of coming through the outer court uh, into the holy place and into the most holy place. A lot of these things in the Old Testament are beautiful pictures of New Testament realities and so on and I was thinking through this a little bit as we were um, centering in on on hunger for God and so on and then I just sort of was imagining myself in the most holy place and what's that like and just the presence of God then all of a sudden I saw myself outside of that and I saw myself holding a sword but the funny thing was I had this very thin veneer of something shiny and I realized immediately it was the glory of God and then there was some more, which I may share if I've got time, about what happened beyond that. It's not so important. But there was a se- sense of invincibility, invin- being invincible. There was that sense of, I had no fear of the demonic. There was no sense, of, it was just the demonic was frightened of me. And I thought this through, and I actually did do a little bit of warfare. If I've got time, I might share on that. But... Um, and it sort of, that prayer set kind of was the same as what Rachel was talking about. Intimacy, coming into the most holy place. And I haven't got time to teach about that, unfortunately. But it's sometimes, a, you see it a little bit in Psalm 100 and verse 4, where the, the psalmist says, you know, enter his courts with thanksgiving into his, um, 
No, in, yeah, his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. And so there is that progression of entering into the presence of God. By the way, we all enter into the presence of God differently. Please don't pattern yourself on somebody else. Do your way, and I'll share a little bit more about that. But there is one example. If you're actually struggling into getting into the presence of God, that is a very good example of practicing thanksgiving as a starting point, thanksgiving for what is not even happening yet, thanksgiving for who God is, and then so on. And then praise is that slightly louder, praising God for who He is. It, it kind of opens up the presence of God. The next thing, bang, you can actually be in the most holy place. I mean, in, in our current New Testament understanding, in the presence of God. And that's the, the worship aspect. That's, the, that's the, the, the softer, it's the glory of God that Rachel spoke about a few weeks ago. It's much easier when you get in there. But the difficult part is getting yourself going out there. So there is a progression into the presence of God. So I want to talk about um, a little bit about intimacy as far as communion is concerned. Um, as far as, I'll just share a, a little bit about communion before I open up the Word of God as such, um, or the Lord's Supper, whatever you like to call it. Um, it's very powerful as we do take communion, whether it's just, just in church here or whether you've got into the practice of it, taking it home. And that's where we're heading, by the way, is encouraging you to do it daily, especially during the prayer and fasting time. And I would encourage you to test it out and see what happens. At least you're allowed to have a little bit of bread anyway. So, um, um, but it helps us to draw close to God. Uh, there's several things I'm just going to um, line out for you here. But that aspect of intimacy, there is a sense, always communion to me is a time of reflection. It's a, it's a time of um, helping us to deal with stuff. Um, when you think of what Paul says, I think it's in, this, it's in Corinthians where he says, if you take this thing wrong, you can even die. You know, I mean, that was a, a totally different situation. So if it's so powerful towards death, if we disrespect it, how much more powerful is it towards life as we do respect it, as we center in onto the Lord, as we come in and taking that bread and the wine in His presence helps us to deal with blockages, um, demonic blockages, um, entrenchment of, of the demonic. I find, I'm, I'm a warfare person, so I love anything that deals with the demonic, um, give me a go, give me a sword, you know, that's me. Um, but it, where does that come from? It's come from many times of intimacy over the years. So what I'm trying to share today, and I'll, 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 I'll stretch it out a little bit, is that if we can come into a place or get to know intimacy on a regular basis, and it'll be different for each of us, um, then the aspect of the sword is going to come much more naturally It'll develop out of that, and I'll share that in a moment. Maybe it deals with sickness, long-term sicknesses, stuff that has been entrenched for a long time. It does deal with it, not maybe, by the way. Um, and then, of course, to be prepared for warfare. So let's look at the scriptural principle here. Um, I looked through the Synoptic Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, to see what they said about when Jesus took communion, uh, that um, introduced the, the new covenant and so on. But I'm going to use Luke because it's a little bit more extensive and it has a, a couple more interesting aspects to it which the other two don't. Um, so Luke chapter 22 and verse 7 in particular, I'm going to start there. Then they 
Then came the day of unleavened bread in which the Passover lamb had been sacrificed. So again, it's linking historically back to something that happened, which gives us a lot of keys and understanding. We don't have time to go into the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. There are seven feasts of Israel, which all have a particular outworking in our lives today. But I don't want to go into all of that. But just to say that this, that the day of, sorry, when Jesus introduced the new covenant just before he died, it lined up precisely with the day of unleavened bread and the Passover. God is in control, totally, totally. You see it so much. Not controlling. I found out when I've said God is in control, I've had a few people reacting, you know, and I thought, okay, I understand that. I, I guess I understand where that comes from. But God is in control behind the scenes. These, these aspects of history and so on, you see God is totally in control of the seasons and the times, which is a great confidence for us who are running behind him, trying to keep up with him. Amen? Well, it's just me anyway, but I'm enjoying it. So then the day of, then came the day of unleavened bread in which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And, and, and then, of course, Jesus sent Peter and, and the troopies and John, go and make preparation. So Jesus introduced the new covenant right on time, to, in the fulfillment of the Old Testament feast of Passover and unleavened bread. Now, we know that, that the Old Testament was powerful, by the way. You look, I, I have a lot of, I enjoy reading through. I actually read about the covenants just this re- last week or so in the Exodus, I think about chapter 30 plus or minus there somewhere, and just seeing what was involved in covenant. And again, I don't have time to go into this, but covenant is so powerful. And it's not something we're used to, especially in the Western hemisphere of the world. We're not so used to covenants and their power and so on. We, we have a modernized thing when we come to agreements and we go into business arrangements and we sign things. But that's kind of very superfluous compared to the depth of what covenant means. Covenant is normally made by somebody who's more strong or powerful than the other, and the other one benefits. Very, very, very hours and hours of teaching all in one moment okay so it's God who makes the covenant with us he invites you into it we've got nothing to bring except our hearts just us say yes or no you know it's up to you it's simple isn't it and then everything that God has is given to us just because we say yes and go through with it fortunately we don't have to die like the Old Testament cows and sheep and donkeys, but there is a part of us that does die. So again, there's something that comes from the Old Testament which is happening in the New Testament. So, so Jesus became the guarantee of a better covenant, better than all of that stuff that happened. That's Hebrews 7 and 22. And Hebrews uh, 8 verse 6, it says, Jesus, the mediator of a superior or better covenant, founded on better promises. So here is Jesus at this point after being with the disciples for three years and he's been teaching about it, he's been showing them what it is, how it's outworked, what the kingdom of God looks like and so on and then he says now guys it's time I'm going to cut this new covenant. All of that which is in the old is going to be included into this but it's simpler, easier, fantastic, powerful and much fun. Everybody said amen. So, I'm glad you're excited about all this. 
at least we don't have to go through all that gory Old Testament uh, sacrifices and pulling doves to pieces and burning stuff and so on. You know, at least we don't have to do that. But the fulfillment of all that is actually in Christ and his death and resurrection. Simple. All right? New covenant in blood. Amen. For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So that's why Jesus had to die. So coming back to this context of Luke 22, um, I'm going to jump to verse 12, Luke 22, verse 12, just to pick out a couple of thoughts here. Um, oh yeah, so he said, he will show you a large upper room. There was somebody that was going to show you a, a large upper room, all finished, make preparations there. And they found things as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. By the way, that's lying on the floor, little low table, not like the one you see the carvings of, and there's 12 of them around one side of the table, nobody on the other. This was a, a low table, and they were all around it, leaning into it, and just eating and drinking and so on that way. All right, so again, our Western mind is totally out of uh, place when it comes to this. All right, so they reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you bef before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. It's interesting as you take communion, especially the bread, and is a remembrance of what he's done. What is involved here? As I by faith take this little piece of bread and eat it, what am I remembering? What am I entering into? And it's a great place of meditation, um, reflection, intimacy, just thinking, Jesus, you're here, aren't you? I mean, the Catholics say he's in the bread. Well, you know, I don't honestly know if he is or not, but it's fun eating it, all right? You know, so don't, don't let that worry you because there is a sense of truth there because there is strength in, the, in, in natural bread, so there's strength spiritually when I take that bread, you know? So I don't know where the limitations are there, but just enjoy it anyway. And let your mind go with Christ. Let the Holy Spirit just give you light and so on as you take the bread. And remember what he did. His suffering. His death. His forgiveness for me. You. Inviting you into it. There's an invitation, isn't it? It's an invitation. Come. Come. There's an invitation to intimacy. Inti invitation to joining. There's an invitation as we do it time and time again. Don't let it become an old thing that you just do. Let it become a fresh thing every time. And you'll see something afresh, or maybe something from the old, which you'd forgotten, come back fresh to you. Something about his love. It could be anything that the Lord will bring to you as you bring this into remembrance. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Hallelujah. So 12 people were invited to the upper room. Not the 70, just 12. It's interesting, isn't it? So there's an invitation to communion. I'm not going to try and go down to that and say who's invited or not. But there's a sense of speciality. There's a sense of invitation. There's a sense of, um, of being privileged. And we all are, by the way. 
but we can choose not to be there. Just a thought. Now, one of them defected. Judas, when it came to the intimacy of that upper room experience, couldn't handle what had been going on for years in his heart, which the other 11, I don't think, saw, Jesus knew, it bubbled at that point, it came out. It couldn't, he couldn't hold back the sin which he wasn't dealing with. It bubbled. The issues that he had been containing but not dealing with, by the way, if you have issues and you're not dealing with them, when you come into intimacy, they're going to bubble. Eventually, there's going to be a reaction somehow, somewhere along the way in your family, maybe in the environment here. And we've all gone through that, haven't we? That's what the Elijah House thing, isn't it? You know, why is this coming up in my, why is this bubbling? Because you're getting closer to the Lord. And he says, I want to deal with that now. It's been okay until now, but now I want to deal with it so that you can come closer to me. I've got much more to give you. I've got much more to share with you. But that is actually going to block. It's going to harm you. If you keep holding that, you're going to do a Judas and run and probably take your own life or whatever. I mean, I don't want to warn you with that, but there's a principle there, isn't there? Well, yes, I am warning you with it. Deal with it, otherwise you die. No, 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 no. <laughs> now you don't know whether I'm joking or not. But there's a principle there, isn't it? Deal with the stuff in your heart. As you get closer and closer to the Lord, it is going to pop up. And that's not wrong. It's just the goodness of the Lord bringing it out. Saying, hey, I love you so much, I'm not going to leave you with that. You've survived until now, but it's been a bit rough, hasn't it? Well, let's deal with it. Let's get it sorted so that you can go on into a, a greater level of peace, greater level of relationship and harmony and, and, and passion with me and for me. You'll find it so much easier to hold that sword. I'll get to you that in a moment. If you let these things go. So there's a great level of intimacy that happens or can happen as we come into communion. Use it as a, foot, as a, as a stepping point of intimacy. I come with this blood, Lord, your, your juice, this juice today, and drink it. There's a further level of forgiveness. There's, Lord, I invite you to show me anything else that's going on in here which I don't know about. I haven't seen it. I, I, Lord, I invite you to shine your light where there's maybe some area of darkness or an area of that's not redeemed in our hearts yet. I invite you. But at the same time, say, Lord, here I am, I'm your daughter, I'm your son, to spend time with you. And if I don't get going, you'll all run away at 12 o'clock. So 11 got closer to Jesus. In fact, it says that John even leaned on Jesus to ask, you know, who was it and so on. So there's, a, there's, even a, there's gradients of intimacy even seen that night when, Jesus, when, when John was with, right next to Jesus and leaned back on him and asked him, leaned back on his, on, on his, onto his heart, onto his, his, his chest. Do you like that? You can lean into Jesus' chest, it's fine, especially you guys, it's all right. Just do it. Don't let, don't let the girls go running ahead of us. It's time for us guys to stand up in this place. So there is 
is completeness of intimacy invited and provided. We are invited into this and an invitation to step in. You might say step up. I'm not saying it's going to a higher level. It's to step in to the very heart of Jesus and to hear his heartbeat like John did as he leaned back. There's that invitation for intimacy. What are the, some of the things that could come up through the level of repentance? I've mentioned one or two. Clearing the air, coming to repent. When you come to communion, I always search my heart. Lord, is there anything that I've been carrying that I've forgotten about and I haven't dealt with? Clearing the air, cleaning the floor, so to speak, clearing the way in. I find there's great peace in the presence of the Lord when we take communion. There's always that sense of peace and beauty, the opposite of anxiety and fear. If you come fear, if you come in with anxiety, it's a great place to take communion. Just say, Lord, I don't want this. You say we shouldn't have it. So I'm coming in communion. I want this dealt with. What's the core of it? Why, why am I fearful? Why am I carrying this anxiety? Sitting there just with that piece of bread just waiting on the Lord. Where is this coming from? And just letting his presence come down. Faith is replenished. Maybe there's healing, healing in the heart, physical healing, and so on, other related areas. Revelation comes as to who he is and what he wants to do. What I am in him. Becoming less focused on my problems, but more focused on him. Changing things around a little bit. Not focused so much on the demonic, but focused on him. Because he's the answer after all. I'm always, often, I was just sitting there before thinking of Smith Wigglesworth, that great evangelist of over about a hundred, no, about a hundred years ago. One night he woke up and his bed was being rocked like this and he opened his eyes and at the end of the bed was the devil. And he said, oh, it's just you. And he went back to sleep. Fixed the problem. Most of us would be getting the blood of Jesus out. In the name of Jesus, get out of here. <laughs> you know, get under the sheets, whatever. He said, oh, it's just you. And went back to sleep. Problem fixed. I think sometimes we take too much cognizance of the evil around us rather than the Christ in us. So what I'm speaking, it's just an aspect of it. There's time for warfare, don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is that if we become more reflective of who he is and what he's done, those issues are going to go. There's still war, and I'll, I'll share that in a moment. Freedom from condemnation, shame, the past. You'll start to think more throne room thinking or most holy place thinking replaces some of the, uh, the, you know, we've brought all sorts of stuff, orphan thinking, victim mentality, that sort of stuff goes when you get into the presence of God. Amen? You might have to do it a few times. It might be a process. I understand that. Relationship to the king where the mind is renewed and so on. Out of that sense of his presence, out of that sense of, com of communion I'm talking about, it, yeah, out of that sense of intimacy, that's where warfare can begin to happen. 
or come out of that. Before I go back and show you in, in Luke 22 here, I just wanna, I've been reflecting on King David. I, I reflect on him a lot. David is a very interesting example because he doesn't, he's an Old Testament person, but he acts like a New Testament person. So why did that happen? A lot of it happened because of his intimacy with God. As a young boy, a shepherd, not even looked upon as, as a, in his own family as being important, there is a possibility that he may have been illegitimate. His same father as the rest of his brothers, but maybe a different mother. There's no proof of that, but why wasn't he called when all the sons were called by Samuel to anoint one of them as king? Why was he rejected or not even thought of? Was it just because he was the youngest? There's got to be something more about it. And David himself, in one of the Psalms, says, I was conceived in sin. Now, there's no proof of that, I'm just saying, but he was kind of rejected. He was a nobody. He was out there with the sheep, but guess what he did when he was out there with the sheep and the goats? He began to learn how to worship God. He learned, uh, I don't know where he learned uh, musical instruments. He was a worshiper. I don't know who instilled that or whether he just did it himself. I've got, there's, there's a lot that's missing. We don't know. But he learned to worship God. He learned to get into the presence of God as a little boy, not as a king, not as a soldier later. That came afterwards. So out of intimacy, God saw him, well, knew him, obviously, and said to through Samuel, no, this is not, not, the one I want is not here. Is there another one? And he was called forth, smelling like an old sheep, not cleaned up. He didn't get scrubbed up. He wasn't prepared for this. And oil was poured over him. And that was the first anointing or the calling for kingship. So if you feel like you're not very well scrubbed up and you're not very well prepared, you don't come from a nice Christian family and all those sorts of things and privileges and so on, you are a candidate for this very thing. Just get with Jesus by yourself. Don't worry about all the other things. Don't try and be like somebody else. Just worship Jesus and you'll find he'll call you out of obscurity and use you one way or the other. He learned how to deal with the lion and the bear. That came out of intimacy with God, no other way. He must have been learning with his slingshot hitting Coke cans for days. I don't know how he did that. Of course, there was no Coke cans, but you know what I'm talking about. He learned those things out there with the sheep. And then when the lion and the bear came, I, I've seen big lions. The, the, a male lion has nothing to tangle with. How he did it, I don't know. The anointing maybe came upon him, we don't know. But that, doesn't, that, that comes out of a lot of intimacy and knowledge of God and knowing who you are in God. If you don't know who you are in God, you will have, you'll be in a big mess. So that's why he could stand up when nobody else would, when Goliath was making a big noise. He said, hold on, you're cursing God. That's not on. I'll deal with you. And he wouldn't take somebody else's armor. He had to deal with, he had to use what he knew was work, workable. He took a stone, bang, crash. Down goes Goliath, took his sword, took his head off. Authority gone. That came from working with the sheep in obscurity, not in front of anybody. It's the private life in here with God. Amen. Then in Psalm 23 verse 5, as part of that whole beautiful psalm, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That only comes from knowing God in the presence of enemies. Hello? 
So that's a picture of a table set out in the middle of a field and the enemies are all glaring at you, ready to take you out. And yet you can sit down and eat fish quietly, thank you very much, without being concerned about your enemies. Wow, where does that come from? How do you get to that point? Where you take no cognizance of your enemy and you knowing God is going to protect you. Wow. It was the same David who gathered all the misfits, the people who didn't fit in, and they went with him because Saul was chasing him for many years and, and formed an army of misfits and nobody, people who couldn't fit in with the establishment. It was the same David that trained up his mighty men. Those soldiers, one, one, it says one of them could take a thousand men out. Where does that come from? It comes out of intimacy and just knowing God. I mean, I know it's more to it than that. It takes time. But just start thinking about David. It was the same David who went into the tabernacle when the, him and his guys were hungry and just took some of the showbread. Anybody who was not a priest who went into the tabernacle died. Bang. Didn't happen to David. Why? A higher law was in place where he just loved God and God's presence was upon him. And he almost, it kind of he leaped into the New Testament, really. It was him who established that tabernacle in Jerusalem and he brought the um, Ark of the Covenant into it. 24-hour prayer and worship. The, the sides of that thing were open. The Ark of the Covenant was visible to all people for a season. Nobody died. Or should, they died when they brought it in the wrong way. But once he got that sorted out, there was something about him because of the intimacy he had with God that all the other laws that should have applied didn't. My son, come. So I just want to share that as a basis of David as being an example of somebody who knew how to get into the presence of God <coughs> and worship. A lot of the worship that we have in the Old New Testament has come from Old Testament songs of David. Amen. Right, let's moving on from him. Part of the, uh, coming out of that communion aspect is authority and power. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Right? Yeah, all right. That means somebody's got none. So, all authority means all or just some? Oh, thank you. All right, in heaven and earth, right? I'm not talking about power here, we're talking about authority. Power comes out of authority. He says, go therefore and make or disciple nations. Amen? That comes out of Jesus' understanding of authority. David understood it, Jesus understood it, and he applied it. Now, let me come back a bit to, to Luke 22 because I want to establish something here before we then take communion together. In verse 29 and verse 30, if you still use the old type of Bible, if you can find it, um, as, as part of this, he says something very interesting here, which is not in, um, it's not in Matthew or, or Luke. Verse 29 says, I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me. So out of that place of intimacy, there was a conference of kingdom, with it comes the authority with that. Now, I know it's not fully released in our lives. We're not walking in it completely yet. But these guys had, I know, the, and, and the Holy Spirit came 50 days later. And that, in a sense, it was fulfilled a lot more. And they began to function in that a lot more. But we have been 
there's a kingdom conferred on us. What did Jesus teach the disciples? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, intimacy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we think heaven or do we think what's happening on earth? I know I'm all over the place a little bit here, but I'm just wanting to take you somewhere. I think there's more that we've got than we realize. And we become too conscious of what's happening down here and not enough conscious of what's given to us. Your kingdom come. Jesus told the guys, hey guys, pray this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? We're praying down the kingdom of heaven. I know I'm going into areas here where we're not experiencing it all the time. I understand that. And some of us have decided, I'm going to go for this and then it doesn't work and we back off. I understand that. We've had all sorts of experiences. But this is, I believe, where God wants to take us. If we're going to be effective in warfare, we have to have these things established, or growing, shall I say, growing in our hearts and lives. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven my family, church, whatever. What does heaven look like? What, have, have you thought through what heaven is like? Powerful, peace, no arguments, no devil, no time, no sorrow. I mean, you just go on and on and on. That's what we were praying down here, aren't we? Well, we're supposed to be, I mean. Is that, my, is that my thinking as I come out of intimacy? Or, is, you know, that's where God wants to take us, is out of intimacy to begin to see the, what he's thinking from the word of God and then as an experience. Revelation will come. That revelation the other day of me carrying a sword and covered in the glory of God, I've never seen that or understood that. Where did that come from? Prayer sets, which Lynn Scadden and Lynn and Lynn Tipper and myself run together and we have some others coming occasionally and coming more often. That's, that's not the only place, mind, by the way, but it's a good place to really get an understanding of what God is saying and doing. That revelation of that moment. Now, I'm, I, I'm going to be careful. I'm not going to be running around with a sword and poking de devils all over the place. There's a time for that. But I had that one picture and that settled something for me. Wow! Out of the presence of God... The glory of God is on us. Wow. And I thought about it afterwards. I thought, oh, well, where were the other aspects of the armor of God which we see in Ephesians chapter 6? You know, the helmet and all that and so on. And I realized, ah, those are for defense, which we need to put on, by the way, at times. I've done it many times, physically dancing around a room like an idiot, but it works. You know, if you're up against the wall, just put them all on and go for it. Speak it out and then grab the sword of God, which is the word of God, and poke the devil and all the lies. So there's a place for that, by the way, and I've done it many, many times, but I've never seen this. I only had a sword. I didn't have any of the others. So what does that mean? That's offensive. That's taking out the enemy. Wow, that's warfare going out, not protect, so much protection side of it, that's still in that still needs to be done. That's we need to wage that from time to time. I have no issue with it. I still do it. I'm not throwing that aside, but I just saw one aspect of warfare where if you come out of a, the presence of God with the glory of God on you and you've got a sword, I saw the devils just backing up all the time as I was walking over to them. I just saw them backing up. They were so scared. 
I just saw this vision just for that moment. Wow, a few moments of seeing something like that and it lines up with the word of God because I'm going to show you a little bit more here. And I'll confer on you a kingdom. Hallelujah. I'm excited about this if nobody else is. Because a soldier, you know, he listens to the commands. It's, he's part of a unit. I've, I, by the way, I was a soldier for 13 years, so I kind of know how that works even, and so on. You're linked with others in platoons and to brigades, and, but the, the thing of being a soldier is you hear the command of the Lord. It's not just a matter of picking up your sword whenever you feel like, I think I'll go and find a couple of devils today, you know. Mm, which one shall I take out? No, don't. Don't do that. Always hear the voice of the Lord. Be directed in this thing, because it's very dangerous. If you get out of your authority zone, or what God is saying, you can actually leave yourself very, very open. A soldier doesn't go and do things by himself. He listens to, first of all, his section commander, then the platoon commander, three sections, and a platoon is in a company, and that's in a, and so it goes on and on. There's directions coming about what you're doing, either defense or offense. Hello? So a soldier listens to the commands of his Lord. You're going to hear more clearly out of intimacy. Hello? You're going to refine your listening ability, seeing ability, feeling ability, smelling. It could be anything. You're going to start to see things that you never thought, oh, wow, what is that? I've never seen a picture like that before. What does that mean? You know, and you start to realize God is showing you stuff. And, it, and it's normally a direction to, to, to go in with our prayer meetings normally. Uh, I know it's in our Friday one, but each of them during the week, God will show you stuff in there and you kind of know which way to go from there. Listening first, praising, worshipping, waiting, bang, a picture or a, a, a verse from the Bible or whatever will come up, or, a, or, a, or quite a few of them. Then you know which way the Lord wants you to go that day. Amen? It might not be the same next time, but maybe it'll build on that because you have a revelation of something at least. Amen. So warfare is a part of our calling. So we do need to, to learn it as what I've mentioned about Ephesians chapter 6, the, the weapons of our warfare. Um, but we need to carry it out under clear instruction. Israel took the land bit by bit. Each time God said, go to that, I want you to take out that city, it was different from that city. Amen? If they did the same in the next city, they normally got taken out themselves. You have to hear the voice of the Lord when it comes to warfare. It comes out of intimacy. Now, I want to show you something here which I've never seen before out of Luke, and we'll finish up here. Luke 22, verse 36 to 38. Um, they said, um, verse, verse 35, Jesus asked them, When I sent you without a purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, now in verse 36, But now, if you have a purse, take it, also a bag. And if you don't, if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, he was numbered with the transgressors, and I tell you that, he must be that that must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The di disciples said, See, Lord, here are two swords. That's enough, he replied, and out they went. Why did Jesus want two swords as he was about to be arrested? I think it's just a little picture for us here. All right, out of three years of being with me, the next thing I want to start to teach you about, but it's not going to happen so much now, is how to handle a sword. 
I'm going to say it again. Out of three or three and a half years of being with me, there's been no swords at any time. All of a sudden he says, get some swords, let's go. And it actually works itself out a little bit because what happened when they get into Gethsemane when he came to be arrested, Peter picked up one of them and tried to whack the high priest's head off him. He didn't even know to handle it. The thing properly missed his head, got his ear. And, and he said, you know, put it away, Peter. It's not time now. You're going to learn about the sword, but I'm just giving you this one little time. You know, you're going to be using them in the future. That's the next stage. That's my thinking here. I've never seen it before. This is this week's revelation for me. You can do what you like with it. Totally unusual because they never had swords at all the whole time. Jesus said, oh, there's, there's thousands of angels that can protect me at any time. So why did they have swords? It was, for a, I think, for a future spiritual picture for us. They were going to be taking their swords up in the future in warfare. When the Holy Spirit came on them 50 days later, when the persecution started to come, when they started to go into new nations and new places and so on, that's when the warfare started to happen. Amen? Right. I've run out of time. Let's have communion because it's five past twelve and we've run out of time. Can we just... Um, Just bring the elements over here. I think we're going to have to, I was going to do a little bit more worship, but we've just totally run out of time. So I'll do it slightly differently. Yeah, that's good. Thanks so much. Just going to read from John 6, because it's very offensive. 53, John 6, 53. I don't know if I've got that right. Yes, I have. Jesus had said, you know, you know, whoever, if anyone eats this bread, he'll live forever in verse 51. This bread is my flesh, which I give to you for the life of the world. And the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Wow, there's an example in it as we take communion. Life. There's life. There's life. Life. Supernatural life. Physical life. 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 Hallelujah. I wish somebody hadn't said so good, now I've lost where I was going. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's fine. Life. Yeah. So whoever eats this flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up in the last day. There's resurrection life, isn't there? For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. So as we come to this time of communion today, even though this is physical food and physical drink, I know that, um, I want to encourage you to st that you're in a place of Jesus. There's a sense of intimacy, there's a sense of invitation, there's a sense of Something's going to happen for you as you come into this place. Some little revelation, some little thought. Maybe he's going to show you something he wants to deal with. Whatever. Just believe God that something is going to happen. Something that's overhanging you and it's been a pain and you just can't get through it. It's, it's dogging you and your family. Maybe that's the breakthrough today, beginning of that breakthrough. There's power in the blood.
Hallelujah. So be careful as you walk forward because it, the carpets, some people have been dancing around here before, so irrespective. You know, but <laughs> it's been good, hasn't it? Just be careful as you come forward for communion about the carpets here. Just come and take a piece of bread and the way we do it, just dip it in the, in, the, in the juice. I want you to go back to your seat and just wait and then we'll take it together. So let's come forward now. Just come forward. Two cues. Take a little bit of bread. Break it off for yourself. Dip it in the, in the juice. Take it back to your seat and then we're going to pray together. Just believe for some breakthroughs here. Hallelujah. Lord, we just sense your presence this morning oh we invite you just to speak 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 holy ghost we just invite you to speak we thank you for this privilege lord of being invited into intimacy thank you you're changing us day by day month by month time by time help us to get past the barrier of taking this communion by ourselves at home, Lord. Yes, we can. You don't have to be a priest. You don't have to be a pastor. You can do this at home. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your body which was broken for us. Thank you for the strength, the healing. Lord, there's many of us that are suffering from healing that just won't budge. But it's going to. Hallelujah. It's going to. It's going to, for by your stripes we were healed, and if we was healed, we is healed. Lord, we just thank you for that, even though we may not have experienced it yet, and it's been opposite. Your word is true and clear. By your stripes we were healed. If we was healed, we is healed. I know that's bad grammar, but it helps me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for that cup that you just shared with those disciples. That's the same cup that we've got today. We're in the same place. We can lean back upon you like John did. We can snuggle into you, Jesus. We're completely accepted. You didn't even reject Judas. He ran away by himself. Although you did say to him, go and do what you're going to do. But you still received him into the room. How much... Mm, yeah, I need to process this. How much better than Judas are we? Well, I trust we are, Lord. Hallelujah. I might have to fix that later. <laughs> but I thank you, Lord, that you've made us to be better than Judas in that sense. Judas could not find repentance. We can. We haven't gone that far. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the bread. And so, Lord, together as a community we take communion this morning all those little issues that you've been showing us we've either put them on the shelf we're going to deal with them later or we've been able to deal with them now lord forgive us cleanse us from all unrighteousness all of our bitterness judgments all of those things we just put them to one side that's it no more of that i'm not going to meditate on that anymore and i thank you lord today in jesus name amen let us eat and drink together this morning Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for intimacy, a growing intimacy, Lord. Lead us into that intimacy, whether it's through jumping up and down and praising you with all our hearts because we need that breakthrough, or whether it's when I'm reading my Bible, or whether it's I'm driving my car, waiting for the kids at school. I just thank you for that intimacy, Lord, that comes. Hallelujah. Whether I wake up in the middle of the night 
and spend some time with you. Or whether it's while I'm exercising and running, walking, whatever. Praying in tongues. Whatever it is for each of us, it's going to be different. We thank you, Lord, for that invitation into intimacy. Entering into the greater. Lord, we bless you today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If anybody needs prayer over anything, please just feel free to come forward. We have a prayer team to, to stand with you, to agree with you. On those things that won't budge, it's great to get somebody else in on the deal. One can chase a thousand, two can chase ten thousand. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.